to another episode of Broken Record Ministries. Woohoo! I'm Ronnie. Medium sized Mike's back. How you doing? Brother Bob's back. What's happening? Carl's back. The one and only. <laughs> Not so silent Ron's back. <laughs> Hello. That? Carl, that was wrong. <laughs> that was just I'm just gonna say it. The one and only. Who is the one and only? Yeah, I, I repent of my pride. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, that one kinda got me. <laughs> that stuff to me is Big, medium sized, small. Mike, would you like to read our Bible verse for us? Yes. Um, it is John fourteen fifteen through 18. And Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Our topic this week is there is no topic. Good night. <laughs> That's it. Thanks for you guys have a good day. Psych. <laughs> Actual open table discussion. Whatever we're going to talk about. A little birdie told me that. Well, I guess big birdie because Bob already spilled those beans. He said that. He had some questions for us, so I do. I got like five of them for you guys, and I wanna. I just want your all's heartfelt opinion on these things. I'm actually asking for myself because I catch myself doing what I'm getting ready to talk about here. All right. So, first question is, why as Christians we make our struggles harder than they should be? Because right. we're dumb. That's true. <laughs> We're idiots. <laughs> Case closed. Because we have to follow society. Why do you follow society? Well, you ain't, you don't have to, but uh, maybe it's just because you feel you need to. Mm. Right? To keep your faith. Or not faith, but your face. I see something rolling around you know there, I mean? Carl. What you got? When you say struggles, what do you mean? What do you have in mind? Like daily life stuff. Um uh, mm. Why do we, why when hard times come, we turn and run, tuck our tails and run, you know, why can't, uh, why can't we trust him in the hard stuff? I think we have a never ending propensity to distract ourselves from everything, from the one thing that we should be focused on. Constantly divert our gaze to anything that'll just, I don't know. Even when we become believers, I think we're guilty of trying to fill that void in us. That only he can fill. Then it compounds our, our our issues, and I think there are times that we come to him thinking that he's going to perfect our circumstances and make everything great, and he doesn't promise that. He doesn't promise to fix our circumstances or the consequences for the things we've done. He promises to change us. Mm-hmm. He doesn't promise to change our circumstance. Well, why why I ask this question is because I catch myself doing this all the time, you know. Um, I make my struggles harder than they should be because I think I can correct them myself. Yeah. You know, um, and for some reason, I always put God on the back burner when it comes to hard struggles because I'm like, oh, I got to get this fixed. I got to do this myself. I got to take care of this. You know, and we shouldn't be like that. But I catch myself even being. A Christian like I am, you know, being part of God's family, I still put him on the back burner and I make my struggles harder than what they should be. And we shouldn't do that. I mean, you know, um, of course, that, that kind of brings me to the second question. When we do do that, are we saying God is not capable to get us through it? Is that what we're saying? I don't, I, for me, I don't think so. I was just too used to uh, doing it on my own. Before I, before me and Karen came back to Christ, it was all me. When I first moved out, it was all me. Or I thought it was all me. Let me put it that way. I thought it was all me. Your mindset, right? Yes, yeah. my mindset was if it's going to get done, I'm the only one that can get it done. Because I was alone. I felt alone. May not have been alone. And looking back now, 
obviously I wasn't alone, but at that time in my life, I felt like I was alone, so it was all on me. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's easier to tread, or it's easier to go back to the way you used to think Mm -hmm. than it is to trench forward through it mm-hmm. in a different I know with me I know it's like just like Ron said right like my job I'm a problem solver so that's just automatically kicks in flips a switch or whatever and I gotta figure out what I need to do to get the job done period right and if something comes up and you ain't got nobody that has your back or, you know, you're blind to who actually does have your back at the time, you're like, well, the only way I see getting this done is for me to do it myself. And then you just you just keep pushing forward as much as you can yeah. until you can't no longer. And I think it it goes back to a trust issue, then it goes back to the heart issue, right? Like before, that bridge has been burnt already to where maybe you did be vulnerable and ask for help and it somehow got turned around whether it got thrown back in your face it, nobody showed up like whatever and so then you're going back even further than that then like then your heart gets calloused from it but with that being said at the same token when it does get resolved and you get through it, you, you you step back. If you if you take the time to step back, and you see how the process solved itself, yeah, you'll you, end up seeing that he did give you help, even yeah. though you didn't even right. notice it. And that's why I think there are times where he won't change our circumstances because he molds us through them, mm-hmm. even the bad ones, especially the bad ones. Honestly, we've been talking a lot about Gideon mm-hmm. the past few weeks. Now, there's a lot of reasons that people could give for why did God select Gideon because he wasn't the only righteous person in Israel. I think he picked Gideon because he knew that Gideon would trust him and give the battle to him. And when you look at when 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 he when he when he goes out as you know commissioned and called to deliver Israel, at first he blows the trumpet and calls several tribe tribe tribes to him, and there's thirty two thousand. 32,000 answer the call to come to him. Mm-hmm. And that's when God starts going through a sifting process to whittle the numbers down so that they wouldn't take credit. It's part of the reason so they wouldn't take credit. The very first whittling down that he did was he asked the people, if you're afraid and trembling, go home. Why would they be afraid? Why do you think they were afraid? They didn't have enough belief in themselves. They didn't have enough belief in him. In him, yeah. They didn't trust. Gideon's already told them. Yeah. Yahweh's sending us to deliver Israel, and he's going to deliver the battle to us. He's going to deliver Midian into our hands. So if they feared after that, it means that, by default, they didn't believe it. Well, I guess I, was, they didn't I trust. said that wrong. But yeah, I think I that's kind of what I meant, but I mean... I think it is a trust issue. I think it's a trust issue, and applying that to our individual life, I think we struggle because we don't hand the battle over to God like Gideon did. We fear and we tremble and we try to do it ourselves. And God knew if they went into that battle not trusting, they wouldn't be delivered through it. Sending them home was a mercy. Yeah, mm-hmm. It was a mercy because they wouldn't have survived it because they had to trust. They had to trust to survive the battle, so we just sent them home so they could learn from home to trust them. Absolutely. And, and it's testing Gideon's faith as well. Yes. Yeah. Right? Because he's not sure he can... They can do it either. Right. It's like giving Mike a big bowl of spaghetti and giving him a spoon to eat it with. Like, you gotta trust that you. <laughs> Dang! Can... You no, got I'm hands. just saying, like, what's, the what's tools, that all right? about? Like, man? Yeah. you have all the tools there. You wanted a utensil. Why couldn't he talk but about like, car? Why it gotta be about food, bro? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm big and I'm hungry. <laughs> I do think that's part of it, though. He removed he moved, he removed from Gideon all the tools, the worldly tools to win a war. Mm-hmm. He removed the men. See, so he removed the army from him. You know, long story short, it gets down to three hundred. Three hundred. Then they go in without, you know, really without the capability of even fighting. Mm-hmm. But the best part about that 300 is is 
when he dwindled him down to 300, he took him down to the river. The ones that knelt down to drink is the ones that went home. Mm-hmm. The ones that stood because they could see their surroundings while they drank, then were the 300 that stayed. Yep. So it all comes back to being prepared also for the same awareness. Awareness, yes. Yep. I was going to say, so what does that symbolize, actually? I actually believe there's spiritual symbolism there. Personally, when I told in the text, I personally believe that it's, that it's emblematic of them being if they're on guard, mm-hmm. I believe they were guarding their heart. Oh, okay. I, I believe that the, yeah. the symbolism of the others kneeling is representative of them, them kneeling to something in their heart other than Yahweh. Okay, because I'm like, well, why would he weed them out that way? What, I wonder why because the, the ones, significance of that was. He said the ones that kneel down and laugh like dogs are the ones that are going home. Because for one thing is, is they're not aware of their surroundings and they're not aware and they're not like you said they're not guarding themselves they're not on guard they're they're actually vulnerable by being knelt down drinking in the water Hmm. but the same token if they were trusting in him wouldn't they wouldn't that also show like they feel safe uh, but no. that's not that's not the point here. Okay, I mean, you know that's why I was at, that's why I'm yeah, trying to right. ask. I think it symbolized a heart issue, yeah. and this okay. is opinion. This is heavily opinionated. Yes. But the the traditional belief is that the reason he inspired them to kneel down is because they had secretly worshipped Baal at some point. Oh, okay. that's actually been a traditional okay. belief for a long time that the ones who knelt had knelt to Baal at some point in their heart. Yeah. And he whittled them out and had them go home. Okay. That, that, like I say, that's opinion because we're not explicitly told that in the text. Right. There's a lot of idiomatic phrases there. Yeah. Like the lapping like a dog is an idiomatic phrase. You can't mm-hmm. actually do that. But so, like I say, that's, a, that's, that's opinion heavy. But I do think the underlying issue is trust. From right. the very yeah. beginning, he was whittling down those who didn't fully trust in commitment to Yahweh to hand the battle over to him like Gideon did from the start. Right. So which, that kind of brings us to the third question. Wait, Mike's getting off easy. He is. He said he's going to be quiet. He said he was gonna, yeah, he said he wasn't going to answer anything. He said he wasn't going to talk at all. You are disgusted, aren't you? Uh, it, you can't see this because it's an audio <laughs> podcast. But... <laughs> Just taking it all in, brother. <laughs> so, in the terms of... Them two swift rolls. Yeah. So it's Silent Mike tonight. Silent Great. Mike. So we add one more nickname to you. That's right. <laughs> so... So if we can trust him with our eternity, why can't we trust him with our everyday life? Because we're bullheaded. Prideful. Prideful. I catch myself being prideful a lot. You know, pride, of course, pride, once once pride sets in, then the heart issue kicks back in. You know, that means that uh, you don't have to care about anything. And that's the easy road. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the wrong road, but that's the easy road. You know, you can kind of check yourself out that way and, and walk that walk that easy road. I, um, for me, I think it's because it's a it's lip service a lot, mm-hmm. right? Like I know I've heard Mike and Carl say this both, but like before, when somebody asked for prayers, you would say the prayer for it or whatever, and just just to do it, but you didn't mean it, right? Like. Like, or you didn't pray. You just or, you, you, did. or you didn't do it at all. You just said right. you, did, you just right? said prayers to you and didn't even do it. Or like I've heard Carl say is like when you pray for that change, but you didn't mean it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to accept that change. So you're gonna say it, but you knew intellectually that you should mean it. Yeah. But right. you didn't really. Right. And I think that's the same way with us. Is like we know the end game. But because we know the end game, we check out and just it's like they get out of jail, run our mouth, and or whatever instead of actually doing it, mm-hmm. talking the talk and talking. actually walking it too. Yeah, right, Carl. Yeah, I think yeah, good. <laughs> commitment is the word. I mean, if we're gonna you know bring it down to two concepts, is trust and commitment. Yep, trust in Him and full wholehearted commitment to Him. It's always a remnant. It's always a remnant of people that really have that. I mean, let, go back to the Gideon account. We went from 32,000 to 301. 32,000 down to 301, if we count Gideon. That's stunning. 
That's stunning. And I think that's, I, I think that's representative of the average throughout history of those that are actually fully, truly committed to him and not just in love with what he can give to them. And that's the problem. I think that's the real underlying problem why we don't hand everything over because, like I think I've heard you say, Bob, we treat him like a genie in a bottle. Mm-hmm. You know, we cry out to him when we want something. We want him to do something for us, but when it comes to him asking for a little bit of commitment in return, we check out. That's human society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like if anybody was to ask you for personal help or something like that, you know, if they don't get it, they just kind of chuck you to the side. Yeah, that's our you sin, know? that's our sin nature coming out. Right, is what that is. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. sin sin wants to take care of itself, which brings you back to pride because pride wants is for itself. Mm-hmm. You know, which kind of brings me to the fourth question. So, uh, are we so self-centered that we can't see past our noses to realize that we have no control? Sometimes. Most of the time. Mm -hmm. I catch myself doing that a lot, too. And and all these questions that I'm asking tonight is, is stuff that I've seen myself do here in the past, here lately. I mean, recently, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. You get a struggle going on, you know, like I got a struggle going on right now. And it just, you know, and and I've been. It consumes you. Yes. Consumes you really bad. And, you know, and all you can think about is, well, how can I do this or how, how, how to get out of it? Well, the fix it. How can I fix this problem? But there's no fixing it. You know, it's a, it's a problem that I just need to give to God and allow him to take care of it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I just went through this same struggle with my mom, you know, but I, but I give her to God. Mm-hmm. So why can't I do this because of this animal? I mean, for real. Yeah. That's the struggle I'm having, you know. It's all family. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure out what what to do, how to do it. Um, you know, I just got to give it to him. Right. That's what inspired all these questions tonight is because I've caught myself doing every bit of this well we struggled this latest struggle we struggled with stuff like not quite the what your struggle but our struggle with me and karen for a long time was kind of what cole was talking about sunday money karen was always stressing about the money side always and and i took it upon myself that i had to fix it well there was just sometimes i couldn't fix it but yet if i just let it go Next thing I know, something else is coming in and fixing it for me, just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. You know, you finally get to the point where, okay, I'm done. I give up. My hands are up. I have no more. And then next thing you know, somebody or something or some kind of an event slides right in and takes care of it and helps you through it. That was that was one of our big things going well since we got together she's gotten a lot better with it so you know she's always struggling or struggling stressing struggling with it and i always had to tell her calm down it will work itself out we'll get through this either i'll figure something out or something will come up well there was just sometimes i couldn't do it so and once i let it go Events just happened and it kind of just fixed itself. So, you know, it's got to be him doing it because, like you said, it's that heart issue thing again. Mm-hmm. You know, people coming in to help or whatever it is, and it just seemed to fix itself because I let go. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to let go sometimes when you're so used to doing it on your own. Especially when we divert our spiritual gaze away from him, we start trying to look over that horizon to the things that we can't see. Right. Like you said, we can't see past our own nose. Yeah. We can see him, though, but we get so focused on the problem that we don't look at him. Yeah. And then the problem gets worse because he's the one that solves it if we trust him to, and we don't. It's like that quicksand. Yeah. You try to fight out of it, and it just gets oh, worse and worse and worse. And then everything, everything just starts going wrong, going wrong. And I do want to clarify when I say solve the problem, I don't mean necessarily that he's going to take your problem away. No. I mean that he's going to give you peace through it. Sometimes he's not going to take the problem away. Sometimes we need the problem to refine us. You know what I mean? 
mm-hmm. but the the problem gets more taxing upon us yeah. when we don't trust him through it. Absolutely. Sometimes the answer to that, his answer to the solution is an ear answer. Yeah. And but, that's and that's a struggle also because it yeah. didn't to be get okay answered. with that. Yeah, to be okay with that. Yeah. But in the end, once you see his answer, then you know it was the correct answer anyway. Right. You know, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes right. you can you know you can harden your heart enough to where you don't see it, and then you're there. You are warm with him, mm-hmm. and and you shouldn't yeah. be. You know what me? I've caught myself doing this is how I justify my attitude here lately <laughs> is uh, why is it so easy to judge people for the same thing we were doing distraction again yeah. distracts away from it our distract, struggle yeah absolutely it's more same thing deflection yes deflection is a better word yeah 100% yeah, deflects, a better word yeah it deflects our pain for that split moment mm-hmm. you know and it kind of takes it off of us onto takes, somebody yes, else we try to put it on somebody else it's easier to point fingers at people doing the same thing you're doing. Yeah. And then that way you get louder and turn up the volume on deflection. So then that way nobody's looking at you. Right. Take the focus off of you. So what do you think, Mike? <laughs> I agree with Bob. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it's... It, it's it never ceases to amaze me the way that God works in your life. And I say that because everything that you're talking about and you're saying that you see in yourself is I've been struggling with the last three days like nobody's a business. Um, pride, you know, um, not giving it over to God, even to the point of realizing in myself that I'm not able to forgive things and that it's rearing its head to the point of to where I knew I knew it was in my mind, but I didn't know it was in my wife's mind that like it would affect how I would treat her when I get around a certain person, and um, which of course is in no way, shape, or form f- fair. But she has also been really diligent on working on forgiveness and has able to forgive this person, and I haven't been. You know, because with me, you can do whatever you want to me. Mm-hmm. You mess with my family, that's different. And that's what, this is what this person did. And I haven't been able, even in talking with her and her being, of course, just so understanding of where I'm coming from and, and knowing, but still, you know, having like four to five people and then everybody at this table that basically the same thing of you have to give it over to God and get rid of it. And I literally told her, I can't do that. But your protection, your protection mode seems like kicks in. Yeah. And you think it's your job, but yet just like I just had to forgive those two people we were talking about what months ago. Yeah. You know, granted, I don't see them a lot, so I guess it's easier for me to forgive Because they're not in front of me all the time, you know what I mean? And I think that that's part of the reason, because they're not around a lot, so I haven't had to deal with it an extra lot. But then when they are, to see it's still affecting, and to see that there's still baby steps around when they're around, and they're still... um, But you puff up like a blowfish, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without, again... Without even whatever whatever way to. that looks like, whatever yeah. happened just pops right back in your head, and it just oh, yeah. refuels that yeah. whole situation. I mean, and it just in my, in my mind and my heart just totally gets blackened. Yep. It you know, and it's it's I don't care what you've been through in your life. I don't, you made decisions to put you there, but that didn't you know that didn't change. Those children had no had no reason. Those children had nothing to do with it. It's not their fault, but they paid for it their whole life. And now you're scot free, right? And that, yeah, well, I get it. Now you know. I yeah. just, and I think it's. I don't want to say worse for me, but I think that because of the fact that there's a no accountability, no, seems to be no remorse whatsoever. And again, and not to me, because right. 
I wasn't, you know, didn't happen, didn't really happen to me. The aftermath, some of the things that that happened uh, because of, I had to deal with and I had to overcome and I had to struggle through with my kids and things like that. But the um, knowing that they're still affected by it and that it's still not a sorry, right? Not a I'm. Just none of these things that I think should be the very, very bare minimum of of what is offered, but still takes away one of my kids to make sure that they're okay. Because in a room full of my family, you know, meaning my kids and my wife, they get overwhelmed and have to walk out and be by themselves, like pouting. See, I'm I'm sorry, I'm getting angry. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean. So it's just um, a very, and like I said, I mean, the people I trust the most have been telling me the same exact thing, and you know, I no, I, I struggled so hard with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, that it's just, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's like I, <clears throat> we all had the conversation off air. With me, right? And the, and the couple of things that I found hard and didn't like. And everybody at this table and somebody not at this table said the same answers, the whole thing, right? Like, it's not a them issue, it's a you issue. Like, get, let go and give it to him. And then <clears throat> the day comes and, like... Right back there, I'm right back in it. That that little coal that was simmering in my chest that all of a sudden was like burning hot, stoked fire again, and then it was fine again, and then it wasn't. And I'm like, why? What what is the cause and root of it? Because I know everybody here at this table is right. I'm going to cut that out, so... <laughs> but... Why? Right? Like, why... A, does it affect me so much? Just kind of like what Mike was saying. Only not as... Same situation, but, like, why? Ultimately, it has n- no consequence to you at all. To you as in me. Might have to deal with some of the aftermath of, of some things, but it's what we signed up for, right? Mm-hmm. And I have that same struggle that, you, I get to that. you're talking about too, Mike. <clears throat> I just, like you said, it's not as prevalent all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe once a year. I get to that point and I just have to sit there and say I'm not their judge mm-hmm. and that's all I can do <laughs> you know I was like I'm sitting here judging them and it's infuriating me because of the situation and you know I used to live my life out of sight out of mind mm-hmm. well that only happens so long because as soon as they just like walk in front of you yeah <laughs> there it is again right mm-hmm you know, and you 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 let it, and I say you, not you, but I'm pointing the finger back at me. Affect you so much that it also changes your routine, right? You show up later or earlier, or so you don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Whatever, it, whatever it is. I don't like your questions, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we're talking about voting Bob off the island. (laughs) Dang. All right. At least I went out with a bang. (laughs) We'll make our own podcast, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) We know how that one worked out. The Bob and Carl show. I like it. Did you have another one? Or did you just have... No, that was... I had... Five there. That was five. Oh, that was five? Yeah. Are you done? 
I just asked some questions because I just needed to know. Guess what? Helped a little bit. <laughs> you already knew the answers? Huh? You already, oh, I already knew the answers, yeah. Mm-hmm. Question is, can you accept the answer? There you go. Yeah. yeah no way to accept them answers. And applying. And applying. Yeah, yeah. Knowing and applying yeah. are two very Yeah, you can things. accept them, but applying them is the hard part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of our scripture reference last week. It's the Pharisee and the tax collector. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we, we've been describing. It's so easy to read that and point the finger at the, the Jewish leaders and say, aha, look at how bad those Pharisees were. Yeah. And when we say that, aren't we doing the exact same thing the Pharisee was doing? You know what I mean? At least I'm not like that. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a smug, arrogant, self-righteous. Yeah. I'm not like that, that guy. That's yeah. right. I'm not yeah. that guy. Yeah. Well, I think that was, I had a, you know, about an hour ride down to Columbia going the back roads. And, you know, it's really a time I talked to God. And I think and I, by the time I got down there, it was another slap in the face because, of course, it was... You think I didn't feel all of this from you at one point? You know? <laughs> right. Mm. Yep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true, so true, so true. Yeah, that was one of the hardest things he hit me with once. I was getting frustrated. I don't even remember the circumstances. Really frustrated with somebody in my, you know, in my inner circle and kind of venting to him. I'm like, that was the only answer I got. Now you know. How I feel. Mm-hmm. That's Man. all it took. It's tough to get now that piercing revelations, isn't it? Oh yeah. Sometimes the person that you say that to, like you just said, now you know how I feel. They still don't get it mm-hmm. because I have somebody that does that all the time, you know. And they do something, they do something, they keep doing it, they keep doing it, and then when it's done to them, they come back on you, and it's like, well. Now you know how it feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? We all have kids. This is not a kid. This is an actual uh, adult. No, I know, I know. I, and I, I struggle with them. Don't ever tell your wife. Now you know how it feels. Not her neither, but I bet you. I bet you when she listens to this podcast, though, she's going to know exactly who I'm talking about. Because I think I've gone home and vented about it several times. And I have to like, okay, let it go. It's in the past. Move on. Try again. <laughs> and it just keeps happening. So you either, what do you do? You either just accept it and go forward or, you know, stop talking to them. And I'm not going to stop talking to them. Yeah. So they are who they are until he gets to them. So you just have to pray for them stay with them you know help guide you know whatever until they see the light I guess you would say yeah but boy I tell you what a frustrating road (laughs) I can tell you I agree with Silent Ron (laughs) I will tell you what inspired these questions was today I had a couple different guys in the shop First one lost his wife in February. And he just, I mean, he was just all downstraught, you know. And and the other guy, he's, they're giving him, he's been losing his memory. And they're like, it's just a matter of time, you're just going to lose it all. Mm. You know, and I'm looking at these two guys, and I'm looking at myself, and I'm like, my struggles ain't near what their struggles are. You know, and so, I mean, I, God was telling me, you need to pray for them guys. You need to pray for them. So that's what I've done. You know, and then after after that, he just started flowing all these questions into my head. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write these down so I don't forget them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but there's always somebody, out, what I'm getting at, there's always somebody out there that's got harder struggles than we got. Right. And if we're a part of God's family we should understand that their struggles come before ours. Mm-hmm. When I uh, when I first, well, back to when I first came back to Christ, you know, I'm sitting there with my struggles because we had a lot when we first 
started back into church and all that. We had some struggles. And I'd sit there and I'd just tell myself, you know, my struggle is nothing compared to what Jesus' struggle was there at the end. Because it always popped in my head. Mm-hmm. What he went through, what he had to go through, how many times he got back up and walked through it to the end. And I'm like, if he can do that for me, then I can make it through this with him. I can tell you his hardest struggle was when he was hanging on the cross and he bore every sin of the world on his back and his father had to absolutely turn and not look at him no more. And that's why he asked, Oh, Father, why are you, why are you forsaking me? Yes, we don't focus on that aspect nearly enough. It's all about, you know, well, the bad Jewish leaders did this or the Romans did that. No. What made that salvational is that he took the wrath of a righteous God upon himself. There's no preaching about righteousness anymore. It's all feel-good grace stuff. The grace is important. That's why he was on the cross. But obviously the righteousness was important too, or he never would have had to be there. We don't talk about that nearly enough, and that's why it's so important to get this right. We've got to to let go of our own selfish ambition, put aside our, our... our desire, we, we've, we've got to get to a place where we're reflecting him the right way because the people that are struggling around us need to see that. Yeah. They need to see that there's hope through right. their struggle. And we get so self-absorbed, mm-hmm. all we care about is ourself. Yep. And we don't do anything for anybody else. We, we went through this video series, and uh, there was a guy on there, and he completely given up faith. And then he started, he started giving his backstory as to why. And he, like, he, he talked about how his mom was a complete monster to him when he grew up. He had a horrible, horrible childhood. And when he goes to church, he's surrounded by self-righteous people calling him a pagan. He's like, I didn't even know what a pagan was. He was like, I was going to that church longer than they were. You know, and I had some tattoos. So an instant judgment pushed him mm-hmm. completely out. He mm-hmm. went through and he said he'd only experienced one Christian, one Christian that he could think of his entire life that ever actually reflected Jesus back at him. And he recognized that, and that's the only reason there was a glimmer of hope in that guy's heart still, was because one Christian, his entire walk, reflected him the right way. And that's why I bring up like the, the thirty-two thousand compared to three hundred. Right. It's a it's a terrifying reality that that's probably that's that's probably the 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 ratio that we're looking at because we're not getting it right because we're so prideful and self-absorbed. And arrogant and egotistical, acting like the Pharisee and blaming the Jews for it. (sighs) Blaming everybody but ourselves. Yes. I've I've been working with a guy. I'm sorry. I wasn't even going to bring this up, but he's got a bad past. And and I'm so sick of of the judgment that people have. You, You do a case nest search or you find out some rumor from somebody and immediately you just you, you stop looking at the person right in front of you. The person standing right in front of you that's seeking and desperate to find answers, and all you look at is something that happened 20 years ago. Yeah. And as a representative of a church, you kick that person when they're down. I watched this guy. I was working with this guy, and he was in his Bible. He was studying. He was seeking. I was seeing improvements. I was seeing a transformation and a turnaround. And a leader from a local church kicked this guy when he was down for the umpteenth time and wrecked him. And he stopped reading his Bible because he's convinced now that every time he starts seeking God, something bad happens from somebody that claims to serve God. I got a friend. And I've seen every every <coughs> bit of progress this guy was making completely shattered by somebody that claims to represent Jesus. And I'm so sick of that. We have got to stop. We have got to get this right. We've got to get it right because it matters. We are destroying people by our bad behavior, and we've got to figure this out. And I mean now. You want to see revival, you're not going to see it if we keep acting like this. You'll see numbers. You'll see multi-million dollar buildings. You'll see tithe revenue, but you ain't going to see revival because that's not what revival is. It's about saved souls, not big buildings and successful programs and tithe revenue. It's about saved souls. We're so focused on our personal kingdom building, we're missing it. Yeah, they should sell all them big buildings and just throw it all into the community and just have one big revival. Yeah, That's like my friend I was telling you all about. His his son is kind of going through what you were just talking about. He was in a bad way. He needed that spiritual guidance or backing, so to say. He went to his church, and they pretty much just said, we ain't got time for you. When he needed his church, they turned their back on him 
and now he's in a he's kind of in a limbo stage right now that he's like you know I thought this was my church family and they did this to me and now he's struggling wanting to even go back to a church you know and I'm like I'm try I tried telling I tried telling the guys dad I was like you know that is a bad situation you know but the church is not what turned her back on him it was the person in that church People that turned him yeah. back on him. Right. And I was like, he needs to try to try to see that because it's not God turning his back on him. It was just that one the the people that it's he the trusted. The KC of the church, not the upper KC of the church, not yeah. the body. But the yeah. sad yeah. thing is, is that lower KC or whatever you want. Yeah. No, I'm with you. We'll put a foul. We'll put a foul taste in their mouth for the for the upper. Yeah. yeah, and their only hope is, like you said, Ron, is to try to get them to see the difference between between the God that saves yeah. and the God these people falsely represent. And, and this is like you all were saying, a huge, huge church. You know, it's like it's like the big schools and the kids that need more help. You know, because the school's so big, some of the kids they, they just push to the side, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that really need it. You know, same token here. You know, he he was in a really bad way, and he thought his church family would help him, and they just kind of, well, we ain't got time for you right now. We got other stuff going on. And it pretty much devastated him, and and that's what, like I said, I've been talking with his dad and stuff like that. I haven't actually got to talk to him. I don't want to, I don't want to discourage him more off the path. You know, by just going right up to him and stuff. So, you know, I've told his dad that uh, I've put him on the prayer list and all that good jazz and stuff like that. And if he ever needs anything, we're here and stuff. I invited him to church a couple times. He hasn't come yet, but, you know. Invite him to breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, start small. Yeah. And uh, that's so... That's the ecclesia. I just don't want to having a small group getting together, having a meal together. I just don't want to bombard him, you know, because he's already in that. Yeah, that that area. Yeah, Yeah. he. Yes, he's on guard. And you know, so it's like, how do you how do you really approach that situation? It's a gentle or you know very touchy situation, you know, because you don't want to go under. Guns blazing, saying I'm going to get this guy back because that's just going to make him run further. Right, right. You know, and that's what we're saying. Small token. Yeah. But you know, say hey, why don't you just come out and hang out with us for breakfast? So you know, and that's sad because you know a lot of churches focus on good things, but they don't focus on the thing that's in their own backyard. Mm-hmm. But they the good focus, things they're, they're focusing focus. on should be for all. Oh yeah, and right, not just what I'm, what I'm saying is is they focus for. Missions overseas and not missions oh, at their own. Not, I got not you. Missions and at their, their own, back door. In their own backyard. Yeah. You know, there, there's just so much that, like this small community here, there is so much that needs to be done and, and it's getting overlooked. I can't drive downtown in the town we're in without seeing two or three homeless guys. Exactly. You know, I mean, and just, then, you know, 40 some churches that are, some of them practically loaded. You know, how are we seeing this? You know, but how, are like, not? how are we not? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then, you know, of course, then you got some ones that are fighting the homeless shelters and yeah. not wanting them around. You know, hey, right. that's not where it's at. It's, right. it's by helping them people. Yeah. Now, yeah, those people that don't want to help them say they're Christians, but yet it's not, they're not doing the. And it's not only, yeah. I mean, it's that too, but it's, it, it's, what I call the, the the secular world doesn't want them around. Mm-hmm. They think that oh they're they're too much trouble. Well, you know, people need a hand up sometimes. Even even us sitting around oh, this table so had yeah. to have a hand oh, up somewhere. Absolutely. You got that right. I've had some. I mean, yeah. for real, from this table. Yep. Hand ups are better than hand downs. Yeah. 
Right. Well, I mean, you know, if well, you really, hand, if you're not if you're not handing getting a hand up, you're probably pushing them down. That's right. In one well, way or another. Yeah. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Just ignoring them is yeah is like a punch well, in the face. Tom. Ignoring yeah, or or enabling the them to just do what they're doing. That's that's Instead not of, yeah. that's not giving them a hand no. up. No. Yeah. That's just you're just sitting on the fence. Though. Just sitting on the fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to get us off on a tangent, but I just I think we're we're so focused on we're doing good things. But it's busy work. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I see a lot of that with with the churches. There's a lot of busy work to like. It's almost like back padding type stuff. You know what I mean? But it's like we're missing. It's like we're missing the point. Well, they're just doing the easy stuff. They're not getting into the. They're not getting into the heart of the issue. They don't want to get their hands and feet dirty, dirty. They just want to skim the top That's of the what water. I'm saying they want to do the easy stuff. They don't want to get down in there and do the hard stuff. We got to get. We got to jump in. We got to jump in the pit, and we got to do the hard stuff right along with the easy stuff. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to do the hard stuff before you can have the easy stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's just that's a given. And if you can't do it alone, you, you get somebody to help you do it. I mean, per se, that's just like when you own a business. You don't just open the door and be like, "Okay, I'll sit here until somebody comes." That ain't the way it works. No, you got to work it. To be able for it to grow and prosper. Same difference with God. If you accept Him as your personal Savior, that is the time you go to work for Him. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah, is a, yeah. yeah. Nehemiah is a great example. Yeah, it's a great example of how to how to how to walk with Him and do the work that He commissions you to do. Yes, in a smart and strategic way that gets the work done. He didn't just go and set up a chair and watch the watch the wall magically no. arise out of the ground. You know, he, he started he, stacking rocks. He did. He surrounded himself with people that knew what they were doing. Yep. He set up. He set up a strategic plan. He he fought back against the enemy when the enemy inevitably sent sent his emissaries to try to stop it. Because you can expect that too. If God calls you to do something. You're going to get a to buy an assemble lot oh, from the enemy. Absolutely. I guarantee it. Probably more than one. You know, and you got to be prepared for that kind of stuff and not quit the second you get hit with an arrow. Pull the needle off the record. I got one. You got one? Yep. A great friend of mine sent me this. Because he said I needed it, which was so true. Nobody can say it better than God. Matthew 5, 43. You've heard that it was said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and praise and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? That they do. Them was some good verses right there. I meditated on them verses when I first got saved. Every day of every week. Because of just of the way life was going at that time. Carl, you got something? I do. It's not what I was going to say, but given the trajectory of the conversation... Uh, a couple weeks ago I gave a sermon and I, I, I used uh, an example and I used a whiteboard so it's going to be hard I can't do that on a podcast obviously <laughs> but we talked before record about when a man and woman come together and they become one mm-hmm. the Hebrew concept of that and in Hebrew man and husband and, and woman and wife are sort of interchangeable terms and a husband is ish in Hebrew and it's spelled aleph, yod, and shin and woman or wife is isha and it's spelled Aleph, Shin, and He. So the Hebrew letters Aleph and Shin are common to those two words. And the, the Yod and the He are the ones that, that differentiate the words. So when the husband and wife come together, so do the letters, right? So the Yod and the He come together, and that spells the shortened version of the Most High's name. The Father's name, Yah, is what it spells. So we have a picture of when the, when the man and woman come together in marriage... Yah is at the center of it. The Father's at the center of the marriage, right? Now, if you take those letters out, you have those common letters left behind, Aleph and Shin. 
which means the words are the same, and that spells esh in Hebrew, and it literally means fire. So you have a picture of you bring the man and woman together in marriage, and you have Yah at the center of all of it for a functioning, healthy marriage. And when you remove him, all you're left with is a consuming fire. It destroys everything. It consumes the man and the woman, singes those around it, around them. And I think that's the picture we have with the problems that I've expressed among myself, with myself, those at the table, those in the churches. We're, we're taking our spiritual eyes off of him. And that's as good as just removing him from the marriage covenant paradigm altogether. And all we're left with is a consuming fire, and it's singeing those around us. We've got to get our spiritual eyes back on him. We've got to get him back at the center of the circle so that we have the fire of the Spirit that sets people ablaze for salvation, for the power of the Spirit, rather than this all-consuming fire that's just destroying ourselves and those around us. We've got to get it right. Say, LeBron? No, I no, I don't. <laughs> you need to start talking before before Carl gets a shot. <laughs> well, I just I don't. Yeah, I had a thought, but listening, I lost it. So, moving on. <laughs> I think it's more and more in the last couple of weeks has reminded me what and why we wanted to start doing the podcast because we're all broken and that's how the light gets in. Mm-hmm. And now we're seasoned into it. And But like coming up, we're still broken, mm-hmm. but we're just not shattered. Right? Right. Yeah. So you just keep refining yourself, refining others around you. Others around you refine you. He refines you. Chin up, keep going. Chin up, keep going. And in the end, we'll be that perfect piece of art that God had created for the light to shine through. Yep. Like a stained glass window. Like a stained glass window. <laughs> I like that stained glass window. That's, yeah. That's a good metaphor. Join us on our Facebook group. Talk with us. Give us some topic suggestions, some comments. If you have questions, hit us up. You want to go long form, email us at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. What, Mike? You have something? You want to say something? Just the back and forth. All I could think of was, "In these are the days of our lives." That's all. That is. It's like, I'm sorry. Try to wait till after. <laughs> it was wonderful. I know it was heartfelt and everything, and that's just for whatever reason. <laughs> sorry. And until next time. Welcome, Michael's Ministry. Catch on the flip side.